Welcome to The Man Who Was Scared to Death, a brand new audio documentary from the master of mortality, Mr. Philip Oven. A man who has thought about not existing every day since the age of 12 and has even seen an existential therapist to come to terms with dying. In these recordings, we speak to people who deal with death as part of their daily jobs to see if their views of existence have changed over the years as they try to help Philip come to terms with his own. Today, we talk to Sam Ashurst, horror film writer and director. Please note, these recordings took place before COVID, if you can imagine such a time. So um, I uh, am a, a horror film director. Um, I started a few years ago. Uh, I made my first short film in 2016. Um, and it, funnily, it did kind of, it is connected to death. The reason I did it is actually my, um, my uh, beloved stepfather, who very close to raised me, um, he uh, basically had a terminal illness mm-hmm. and um, things kind of got worse and I said to him, you know, what do you want me to do with my life? What would make you happy? Um, and I, I, my day job was as a journalist and, you know, writing about other people's stuff and I, I used to be a lot more kind of creative on my own, you know, write short stories, all that kind of stuff. And he'd remembered this short story that I'd written, like... Yeah. I don't know, um, maybe it was like 15 years ago at that time, and it had stayed with him, and I'd, I'd had no idea. And so he said, I, I want you to create for yourself, I want you to write stuff like that again. You know. Uh, so how long ago when this happened? So how young were you when you wrote that story? Were you? Oh, so um, how old was I? I must have been, it must be longer ago. I, I was in my kind of early 20s, I right, guess. Right, okay. Um, and, and yeah, um, I'd always wanted to be a filmmaker since a very, very young age, and um, it's just something that I hadn't done. So I decided to get a bunch of friends together and make a kind of short film in my house, uh, the house I was in at the time, just like a two-minute thing. And um, my friend saw it and said that I should enter it into Fright Fest, um, which is a big horror festival uh, that happens every year at Leicester Square in London. And uh, it got in. Nice. And not only that, and it was very overwhelming seeing this short film that I'd made on a very small, no budget budget uh, play against all of these, you know, huge, like, I think the short film before me was like 20 minutes long and it looked like it had a budget of a Hollywood film. It was insane. What was your budget out? Uh, It was around about... I think on IMDb it says 100 quid because that, that's as, I was about to say that, that's I did as low as you can go. That's as low as you can go. <laughs> um, but it was less than that, put it, put it this way. Um, so, so yeah, uh, it actually ended up winning the Best Scare Award um, at Fright Fest yeah. that year, and that's the first time a short film has ever won in that category, so that was very exciting. And so that sort of inspired me to sort of go on, and, and since then I've done a music video for channel four which you know is is kind of death based and um i've made uh, two films now I, my first film also played at fright fest and 
ended up coming out on DVD earlier this year and it sold out in pre-orders and the film was the first to sell out at Fright Fest last year. So I've had a really exciting journey um, and my stepfather has, uh, unfortunately, he passed earlier this year, but uh, he was able to hold the DVD of my first film in his hand. That's um, amazing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I suppose part of um, where I'm coming from also is that, you know, luckily touch with both my parents are alive. Mm. I very rarely, apart from some, you know, some friends along the way had to deal with immediate um, immediate passing or relative and so I guess I'm quite naive when it comes to I mean the closest I've had actually was last year with my wife's um, mother passed away and being Irish they obviously had the Irish wake where you know and that's the first time ever in my life at the age of 43 I'd ever been near a dead body right right so for me it was just mind-blowing I mean it was just so unreal that Mm. you know you keep expecting her to sit up at some point because obviously looking overnight I just found that Remarkable, you know, and hopefully as part of this, we're going to be speaking to people who deal with that on a daily basis. But presumably in horror, you know, a very big tenant of horror, presumably that people are going to, there will be bodies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And yeah, I kind of, I co-host the Arrow Video podcast with my friend Dan Martin, and he's um, a very, very well-respected special effects artist. He does practical effects for loads of... um, exciting films and he's worked on on stuff with me as well and so you go into his workshop and um yeah there's kind of severed heads and intestines and you know bodies that have sort of been cut open all all this and um yeah he i guess because he works in that world he's a lot more hardened to it than me i mean i'm i'm still quite squeamish right um even though i do work in the genre um, and he'll research real dead bodies um, to, to get his art as close to reality as possible. And, um, yeah, there was a time very early in our friendship where he would try to show me pictures of things, and I'd be like, Dan, I don't want to see are this. Are these actual pictures are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm like, I don't want to see this. I do not want this in my mind forever. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's learned not to do that with me. But, um, yeah, no, it's... it's Grief is kind of a funny thing, and losing someone close to you in your family is, is a very strange, very, very strange thing. I'm guessing it, it's quite unique. I, I absolutely yeah. know people in the position, um, and yeah, it almost seems unrelatable, almost like having a child, I think, in a way that yeah. you know, you're trying to explain that what happens the minute they're born, and it's very difficult for someone who hasn't. It's really interesting what you say about you know being absent from the world and you know that, that being part of it. And honestly, the, the day after my stepfather passed, um, and, and kind of bear in mind that my family lives in Devon, um, so it's not like I, I see them on a day-to-day. But I stepped out of my uh, block and walked down the street, and I could feel his absence from the world. I, 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 that's the best way I can describe it. I could just feel that he wasn't in the world anymore. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's something to fear in a way I mean you've already done it you've already not been in the world um, for for many many years Um, and does that bother you like you're using my argument back to me (laughs) it's genuinely the one way I've in the bad times as I said as I get older I suppose there's certainly an acceptance I'm sure that everyone goes through but certainly in the early days I you know I made myself better feel better by saying well if you never existed to start with what's to say that you won't click back into existence at some point. Actually, this goes probably to my um, my main thing, certainly about horror films. I think, for me, I love horror films. Uh, I love all films, but horror films specifically because Great. it does give you some 
notion that there is something after death, albeit it's normally evil. Yeah. Like it's normally <laughs> a ghost haunting you or it's some kind of presence. But ultimately, that's I've, I've said this many times, if someone could just prove to me that in some way there is a way of living after your body mm. shuts down, I think I'd be a lot more at ease. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and it's also great catharsis as well. Um, obviously, like, you know, horror... I, you know, uh, haven't done too much reading into it, but I think um, when you do actually die, a lot of chemicals in your body spike. I think uh, the adrenaline is one of them. And, um, yeah, I guess horror films, a good horror film, is kind of the closest we can get to that kind of death feeling to really face it and feel a little bit of it um, in, in the good horror films. What so. got you into that kind of genre in the first place? Clearly, it's, it's of massive interest. Yeah. Um, for me, I, like you, I love all film pretty much. Uh, like I, I love every genre. Um, but horror is special for me because it's the one genre that really kind of transcends me, um, kind of takes me out of my mind and you know, in a great horror film where I'm feeling that fear, I'm not thinking about anything else. I think that's funny enough, something that that, that chimes with me because ultimately yeah. when you're, as you say, so involved in something, you forget the things that you're meant to be scared of, which is ironic because obviously you're meant to be being scared at the time. Um, you know, did you have these, any of these thoughts? I mean, what brought you oh, into yeah. a horror film? You know, when your, your attitude towards death when you were growing up, was oh, it kind of pretty normal? Or? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was <laughs> definitely wasn't normal. Um, so basically when I was very young, so this is before I hit double figures, um, I went for a period of, uh, faking my own death. Wow. Um, I'm not sure... I wasn't getting enough attention at the time, but mm-hmm. I basically... Well, you, do you have siblings at the time? Uh, yeah, so I've got a, an older sister and a younger brother, and I think, yeah, uh, maybe my younger brother had, had come along by this point. So, um, so yeah, I well, did... Well, come on, t- uh, you're going to have to tell me more. <laughs> what, I, mean, I, don't know, I mean, this is your love of special effects, presumably, coming out. Well, who knows? Yeah, well, this is it. So, like, one example, I mean, there were many. So I, the most dangerous one is I pretended to drown in the sea, oh, um, which, uh, which looks a lot like real drowning, obviously. Um, the sort of less hardcore ones I would um, push the curtains out of my upstairs bedroom window open the window and then go and lie underneath as though no, I jumped out right, seriously okay, that actually is I mean I've got I've got a six year old and funny enough the, the floating he like he only likes swimming underwater so you very I very much experienced that until that you just nudge him a bit go like come on now <laughs> yeah. no, no, enough now enough now <laughs> yeah yeah did you ever fall anyone uh, not at all no <laughs> and, and and in fact the, the, the one that most closely remember uh, the one that most closely resembles special effects is uh, I had a babysitter and uh, I decided to pretend that I'd stab myself in the stomach. So what I did was lie on the sofa. I coloured in my stomach with like a red felt tip pen. <laughs> but then I realised that, you know, I didn't have a knife or anything like that, obviously, thank God. Um, and so I just held the felt tip to my stomach as though I'd stabbed myself with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> But um, yeah, no, I, uh, I didn't fool anyone. And, and my mum used to, when she found me in that position, uh, she would say, oh, what a, what a shame Sam's dead. Um, there's a dinosaur in the garden and he'd really like to see it. <laughs> and every time I'd be like, oh, there wasn't a dinosaur last time, but what if, <laughs> what if this time? And I've missed it. So, yeah. What about your uh, attitude, attitude towards death then? I mean, you know, as just as an as a adult human being, yeah. you know, what, 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 is it something you contemplate a lot or is yeah. it just? Yeah, I, yeah, I'd say so. Um, I mean, I... 
maybe I'm the opposite of you in that I'm actually quite looking forward to it. Um, that might you, be the opposite of me. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just, I just think it's going to be like a really long sleep, um, and I love sleeping so much. Um, and I understand that you know when you sleep, you generally you dream and, and and all the rest of it. But there is that point in sleep where you're not doing anything. Yes, you're breathing and all the rest of it, but consciously you're not having any thoughts and um, I f- always find that quite nice. There so. was someone, I'm sure there was someone famous who said that they like to sleep twice, when they got older they tried to sleep twice a day because every time you wake up it is like being born. Right. And there's definitely an element of that, you know, when you just, that opening sort of five seconds you don't really know where you are and suddenly you just have that joy. I mean, I certainly do, of going, wow, brilliant, I'm alive. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is I can obviously think logically about that whole, people don't, you know, um, there's no need to be scared. It is mm. like a, a long sleep. Mm. And that, as you say about the, the, the chemicals in your body, I'm sure that I've read that, you know, there's a peacefulness. You yeah. know, when the, and, and everyone who talks about near-death experiences sort of say very similar things. And I think mm. that's probably where that whole white light thing comes from. You know, it's, it's your body ac- you know, acceptance of what's going to happen. But it doesn't, I mean, that part I'm genuinely okay with. It's just the notion of never waking up after. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. And I, I think a lot of fear of death comes from movies and TV and stuff where we see, I'd say, 99% violent death. Um, and it's probably not representative of what it's like in real life. I think, you know, you just, you know, if, if, if you're lucky and you make it to an old age and you die of natural causes, then... Um, yeah, I think it's just a sort of gradual descent into death, and I think it is relatively peace, uh, relatively peaceful. Yeah, I mean, so, so yeah. like we were talking about the whole if you knew ghosts exist. For example, I mean, like you know, let's just ask someone straight out. You know, working in horror, do you believe in phantoms, ghosts, or anything like that? Uh, yeah, it's it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, like, sort of to cut to cut, do you believe in life after death in some description? <sighs> It's a tough one. I, I, it, that's a really tough question to answer because I believe there's um, kind of a, a connective between our reality and whatever reality death exists in. Um, and I say that because, you know, I've lost two people very close to me and both instances, very strange things happened afterwards. Okay. Not like seeing, a you know, a, a ghost or anything like that, but just levels of coincidence and and you know it, it felt like the people were present for a while after they'd gone and then they went I, that's the best way i can explain it so i i don't believe in you know i don't think paranormal i don't think paranormal activity is a documentary however <laughs> i do believe that there is I don't know, there's something spiritual about death that remains in this world and you say obviously uh, your attitude um doesn't mirror mine in that you're there's a part of you that's looking forward to that. Mm. I mean, and just the, the, the relaxation and frankly not having to think about it anymore yeah. is probably going to be quite good in some ways, and I can totally understand that. Um, is part of that, or, or is there any of you that, that believes like in a, not a heaven and hell or such, but just something after, or is it very much, like, or the notion of a soul? I mean, that's yeah. the one thing I can't get my head around or get my thoughts away from is that it does feel that you're such an individual. Mm. It would seem impossible for not for everyone else not to experience exactly the same thing to feel completely unique and not made up of the skin and bones but to yeah. make up this whatever it is inside yeah and so if that's if you, if you can think that then presumably it's not a, a long leap to thinking well that that soul must go somewhere or must keep uh, on I, going yeah no I, I believe that the the soul goes somewhere and i believe that it keeps on going however i i think of it in a different way to you in that i think that 
death is the cutoff point. I'm sorry to, to break that to no, you. No, you know, but hey, you're just one person. It's I, fine. I feel that what our soul exists for is to leave a legacy. And so, you know, whether it's through your kids or with me, it's through my films. Um, part of, you know, my desire to make films is to fight death to a certain extent because, you know, I don't want to be forgotten. I want to be remembered. So I feel like I've got this time on this planet to pour my soul into my art. Um, hopefully it will connect with, even if it connects with a, a small, you know, audience. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of weird cult 70s psychotronic cinema right these films that were made for nothing by gangs of friends and they are passed around people like me who love these movies that no one else has ever heard of so even if you know my films end up being passed around friends in you know 30 40 50 years time then i'll have done what i set out to do so that's yeah. that's my take on the soul it's in what we create I think I, I kind of sort of regret. I mean, I've I've not done it to the extent that you've done it. In that, you know, I doubt anyone's watched any of the short vignettes I've made. But just the fact that someone could at some point, I think, is quite important. And maybe that is the more creative type versus the more sort of systematic type. You know, it's it, it is about well, and actually thinking about it, it's quite ironic with my sometimes disabilitating fear of not being around it's made me not scared of most situations right so like you know like as part of other jobs you know i've interviewed people or spoken in crowds or whatever and that's like it's nothing because right. what's the worst you know i mean there's something there's something worse anyway right right so that's actually i think it's made me probably braver than i would do if i was and, and actually a bit more foolhardy mm. because it just seems such um it's such an impossibility that i, that I would die or anyone i know would die that you kind of just go with the flow and go with right. whatever. But as you rightly say, I'm sure when it happens, that was going to change my mentality again. Yeah. I mean, you spoke about your, um, you know, you're losing your set. That I mean, if is it something that you would want to do to speak to him again somehow? If there was that available, or is it? Or are you very much like you know, it's this is life, and then whatever's over there is over there. Um, yeah. No, I I think that it's kind of slightly dangerous. Um. It's a dangerous mentality because um, ultimately that it's just not possible, and uh, anyone who promises that is a, a, a charlatan mm -hmm. or worse. Um, and so, no, I just, I mean, I, I am so death focused that I think a good fifteen years or so, fifteen twenty years. Um, Every time I say goodbye to him, I said it like it would be the last yeah. time because you just don't know. Um, genuinely. And, you know, we had this kind of routine where um, we'd watch the first of a new series of Doctor Who together, then we'd watch the last episode together, and then I'd phone him after every episode and we'd talk about it. Great. And uh, in a way, that's part of the whole thing. It's part of... Um, you know, obviously Doctor Who's about time and all the rest of it and kind of mortality to a certain extent. And, uh, yeah, so that was kind of my way of trying to control it, if that makes sense. So what I'm saying is, long story short, <laughs> I wouldn't try because I feel like I've said it all. I'm very lucky in that when you do have that mentality, it's not like it can take you by surprise. Um, so you do say the things you need to say to the people you love. So do Lucky. you think um, by, you know, again, a different experience like you losing people so close to you, mm. has that changed your attitude towards death in itself? Um, 
it has made me less fearful of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think I, yeah, I did go through a, a long period of being in a similar kind of mind space to you. Um, but then, like what you're doing, I did sort of read about it and think about it. And yeah, the turning point for me, I think, was um, firstly that that thought that well, there was you know millennia that I wasn't alive and I was floating in nothing. And yeah. then, and I don't give a shit. About, sorry, am I allowed That's to swear? Uh, I think right. we can beep out. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't give a shit about any of that. Um, it doesn't matter to me. So why should it matter to me the time period I'm not here? It's, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? Because also, you know, like I remember when I was younger, the thoughts that go f rotating through my head would be, okay, so your parents get up and go to work, but you're not there anymore. You don't go to school anymore. Yeah. Everyone would have a normal school day and that would just continue. And it was more the fact that it would keep continuing mm. for eternity. And that notion of eternity is something that most human beings can't get their head around because yeah. obviously it's invented anyway with a mathematical sort of minds, but also... What does it do? I mean, it doesn't look like anything. But as you rightly say, you know, and as I've often thought, if it doesn't exist, doesn't, you know, matter before you're born, yeah. all that time has passed, so much history. But then it just makes me feel like I'm not really real and part of this world. And maybe right. that's what it feels like for everyone. You know, we're just, obviously we have our own minds and feelings, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel real to me. And maybe that could be about my, what I like to call a condition. Right. But, um, you know, I certainly don't feel even like sitting here now that I'm, this is actually really happening. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> really interesting. Have you seen The Matrix? You I have seen done. The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, How did you feel about it? I love it. I mean, yeah, exactly. And funny enough, there is a lot of that stuff about, you know, this is all a big computer programming and everything like that. It, it's quite satisfying. If I knew that everyone was going through the same thing as me, I'd be a lot happier mm. than thinking I was the outcast and having these awful thoughts that have mm. sort of like you know up until recently stopped me from doing you know other you know, things that i might do normally mm -hmm. uh then yeah absolutely I'd, I'd take the matrix scenario in a heartbeat mm. knowing that everyone was going through the same thing mm. and plus computer games you know you, you have that limitless type affair you know when you can sort of do it's someone else controlling you can do what you want maybe one of the reasons i've gotten into horror is because it is a kind of safe space for talking about death um, you know, it's it's in the air. You know, whether you're filming a kind of graphic death scene or uh, you know special effect, or you know you're trying to get a sense of um, that foreboding atmosphere. Um, it's something that's openly discussed. So who knows? And it's funny. I mean, do you think that? And maybe just my impression. I'm not. You know, I'm not fountain all knowledge when it comes to horror films. But there's a lot of uh, young people dying in it. I mean, do you think there's something in that, obviously, you know, that people don't really have, like, a fascination seeing an older person die because they're presumably more closer to death anyway, but to see someone who's in their 20s? Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that before. And it kind of connects. I, I, I feel sad hearing about, like, your childhood. You keep saying, you know, about your parents going on without you. Mm. And, um, yeah, the idea of a very young person, you know. I mean, I, I, I guess I had it too, but in a kind of different way. And it should be added to this that at that time I was having, you know, very vivid nightmares. I remember like thinking that it was disemboweled hand. I could see it, a hand in my bed, like pulling pulling the bed sheets away. Wow. So I was just so tired. But certainly, and, and a lot of it was my dad because he was a taxi cab, black cab driver in London. Mm. So he used to get up at four in the morning and go. So I was always awake by the time I heard him leave. So a lot of those things might roll into each other. So, you know, when you are thinking about your own existence, you think, well, this is, you know, I might as well not be here mm. because it's just going to keep going and going. And that used to make me feel very sad and very alone, the fact that, that the world 
you know, the extension beyond my house into the street and then beyond would just keep going and going. Did you ever have that thing when um, you had the thoughts that if you turn the TV show off, everything just stopped? And then when you turn it back on, they would start up again? Oh, wow. No, I didn't. But I, I that's, yeah, that's kind of an amazing thought. Although it might come across as slightly selfish that they're literally doing it just for you. But it was that notion that I think is quite important that, you know, this is really fascinating because yeah. this really ties into um, uh, like the simulation theory that we were talking about before, but in a slightly different way. That sense that, you know, for all you know, everyone else could be a robot or, you know, that, that feeling of disconnect and feeling like an outsider. I think that's definitely part of it. And the, the f- well, not the funny, uh, this is a very, uh, the lovely thing is obviously having a child did bring that level of difference. I was reasonably young, I was only 27 when Jake was born. But obviously, like we were saying before, I knew he didn't exist before. You know, know, unless I've been conned really, really well. But I knew he didn't exist and I knew suddenly he just burst into existence, which Mm. was the thing that was keeping me going, knowing that if it didn't happen, so if he hasn't been around forever and ever and ever and ever, why does it mean that when he, when he eventually passes, that he's not going to then blink back into existence at some point, or any of us are, mm. or that we are, that this isn't the first time? Mm. You know, I just, I mean, it's probably me clutching at straws and with uh, inability to accept the inevitable. Mm. But I suppose you do what you do to draw comfort on the fact that if you do have thoughts about a particular subject time and time again, then hopefully by rationalising it in some way, it sort of helps. Mm. Um, in terms of your, your, your horror, you know, What's the, and I'm just going a bit off topic here, but what's the, um, what's the most gruesome death that you, you know, you've seen or can think of? Um, uh, the most unfair, I'd like to say. Uh, like in horror movies? Well, in horror movies and then what, what you, in your own or what you've got planned for the future. Or, oh, you know, right. Oh, I see. I'm just trying to see where, where your mind goes. Frankly. Well, um, I, I can't actually go into it too much because um, it's the, the final minute of my um, of my next film. I think I've seen this clip on Instagram. Isn't, didn't you show your friend it and he basically looked appalled? Well, I've been showing a few people. So <laughs> um, I showed um, Al Murray, um, nice. pub landlord. His reaction was very funny. Um, I've showed it to my friend, but also I've been showing it to other horror directors and um, strangers <laughs> um, and filming the reaction because, um, yeah, it is it is pretty intense. But part of it is, you know, um, special effects are very hard, very, very hard to, um, to get right, not only in the, you know, creation of them on set, in the filming of them, and then in the edit. Yeah. So part of it is... It's the the final minute of my next film is so important. It's massively important. Okay, right. So you um, yes, you've said that you've essentially got this uh, final scene that you've uh, right. shown to friends. So I'm actually going to so try and watch it now. Yeah, hold on one second because I need to see video how it you. Affects me move. doing it. Um, wine glasses. How long did you say this was? A, a minute. It's a minute. This is the final minute of your forthcoming film. We won't give any details away. Do I press the space bar? Yeah, just press space. Right, okay. And I did warn you it was nasty. Okay, I've been warned. <laughs> yeah. I'm liking the suit. Um, oh, my word. Yeah, yeah, I think this is not going to go very well. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, right. Okay, now I see why I, 
this is 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 going to be particularly graphic. Oh, I mean, you <laughs> oh, oh, right, okay, oh, okay, ow, yeah, I think I'd be screaming more than that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure this is making the best audio, but if you ever get a chance to see this, uh, for any listening people, and if you want to, you want to see some gore, that's how you do it. Thank you very much for showing me that. I've so probably mentioned that it's not the act of death or act of dying, I should say, that particularly unnerves me. Although clearly, I presume. I can think about ways I'd rather go. Um, you know, is that your own death? Is that something you imagine being working in horror? Do you ever think, what if that happened to me in, like, in one of your scenes or, or more, uh, you know, like how would I not want to go and how would I prefer to go? Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely, you know, I don't want to be, I mean, please, if you're one of my stalkers listening to this, please do not take this as, as advice. But um, I do not want to be brutally murdered, obviously. Um, Presumably that, elongated uh, would be worse. I don't, when you say brutal, I mean, that's what yeah. I'm assuming we're talking about. I certainly drawn don't, out. I, I don't want to be shot in the stomach like Reservoir Dogs. Yes. Um, you know, it takes a while. Yeah, it takes a long time. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, uh, the quickest... Uh, the Sorry, I guess the quicker the better. So, okay. you know, guillotine, fine. Um, Wow, I mean, that's the thing, but no, 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 but you're, you're right in that it's very quick. Yeah. Uh, also not done here, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, it's, it's the build-up. Like, I've always thought that about, say, death row, you know, that would, you know, it's, that's like having, as you say, a terminal illness. Mm -hmm. You know when it's going to be, and that just that, that moments before must be, I mean, I, I still don't know why people aren't running down um, Holborn where we are, like, going oh my god i'm gonna die at some point you know so it's like the realization doesn't occur to them whereas for me it occurs every day that i'm going to die at some point and that's a very lonely experience you know because I, I would have thought everyone at this very moment in time you know everyone in this in this this little room here we're recording in and everyone in the wider office that that, that, that keeps this room they, they're all thinking it aren't they all the time yeah i mean you know it's that truism that in 100 years everyone on the planet's going to be dead but i think that um what keeps and we just got it's part of the survival mechanism to keep it out of our mind and it's probably taps into why climate change is such a difficult issue to solve because even as it's presented to us in the moment um no one is really you know a small percentage of people are doing anything about it um and i would ideally like to die before the climate wars kick in um where everyone's fighting for every uh much like the pet petrol wars of the 70s. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but on a much grander scale. Like, <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, ultimately, not only are we going to die, but the planet is going to die.